Doesn't matter where I've been Doesn't matter what I've seen There's nothing that means anything Without you When the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you When you can't take care anymore You know I'm there with you There's nowhere in this wide world That I wouldn't go for you When the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you When it rains without end You know I'm there with you When you lose faith in All your friends You know I'm there with you And all you got to do is call out All you got to say is now When the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you You wear a Doc Martens and a summer dress I try to catch your eye but your thoughts are elsewhere Drink until the room it spins I follow you outside Sitting in the gutter but Looking at the stars, sitting in the gutter, but we're looking at the stars. Doesn't matter where I've been, doesn't matter what I've seen, there's nothing that means anything without you. When the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you When you can't take care anymore You know I'm there with you And there's nowhere in this wide world That I wouldn't go for you When the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you Yeah, when the black dog is at your door You know I'm there with you Yeah, there's Nick Danter. Uh, welcome to uh, another edition of the Men's Mental Health Show. Um, I think it's the 69th show today. Um, can't believe we've done that many shows, really. Wow, isn't it? It's an amazing, amazing achievement Great. so far. Uh, we're brought to you by all manufacturing personnel. Um, my good mate, Craig Beachley, will put up all the details there, Noel Pope and the Lawson community, as well as uh, Mounties Group and uh, uh, Dale Hunt. So thank you uh, for, for the sponsors there. Um, we after last week's showboats, uh, where you yeah. were on absolute fire, we um, 
We got a terrific email from uh, a listener to ask if we could talk about childhood trauma and the effects uh, that it has currently, um, how things have changed, and we're really uh, quite fortunate to have the timing of Nick coming in today to talk uh, in depth mm. with it, the subject of childhood trauma. Nick's mm. uh, the mm. principal down there at Penrith Valley School. And um, yeah, so uh, let's, let's kick things off. So firstly, good morning, Bodes. How are you, mate? I'm uh, well enough, thank you. How was, um, your, how was your weekend? Uh, now, let me think. Oh, yes. Playing uh, viewers, you're bit, uh, listeners, you're happy to know that I'm back playing badminton. Yes. And, um, and um, I haven't lost any of the muscle memory. And my son uh, played with me on Sunday and we had some fantastic games and we were both on fire. And, um, it's, you know, I came off the courts um, and walking to the car with a head afire with um, endorphins from natural exercise. So really get this nugget of information, good exercise that causes you to breathe hard and to run hard and to uh, yeah. use all your muscles, gives you a, a happiness hit um, that lasts for hours. Yeah. So uh, it's Isn't free. Uh, you don't have to go to... Um, uh, any of the uh, liquor outlets to get your, uh, you know, your lift mm. of mood and satisfaction. Mm. Look, I was just, Nick, your song, you know, one line I heard, again, sitting in the gutter looking at the stars. And, and I was sort of thinking, you know, all of us had had the black dogs that are kind of you know, nipping around our heels at different times for different reasons, okay? But, you, but your song says, and there's, a, and there's something else. Mm. That's not the only thing. Um, you're talking about um, I'm, I'm there with you you're talking mm. about relationship and that leads me into this lovely quote by Ruth Padilla de Bost she's a, um, a Brazilian theologian female woman living out the good news happens in restored relationships mm. in fruitfulness in attempts to live differently and I just think you know your song yeah. speaks to that yeah. um, um, it's not just the black dog, it's also li living mm. in the stars. And I think that, mm. that, that tells us to step outside our preoccupation with the one thing and to be open to the many things. Yeah, and I, I actually borrowed, I, I will say borrowed that line from Oscar Wilde. Um, yeah, his, uh, we're all living in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And that's, yeah, so that's where I... Um, Beautiful. Yeah, borrowed that. But yeah, it, it's absolutely all about relationships, and mm. um, yeah, that's what uh, that's what's protective for all of us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a terrific song. It's it really is the signature song of the show. We've said before, and uh, we're so lucky to have you, mate. Yeah. All right. Um, let, let's let's talk about the the effects and and the topic of childhood trauma. What is childhood trauma to you, Bodes, and, and what is it for a physician? And um, give us some information on that. What's I, I think um, childhood trauma refers to events that have occurred in a child's life um, that have left a deep psychological and emotional mark um, of some sort. Um, and all of us um, have events that have happened happened in our lives that have led to uh, either heightened anxiety or heightened bereavement and loss um, or um, um, a 
event that has raised questions about survival and well-being. And those um, events can and do leave long-term marks. Because we are, um, as young people and of people of any age, that when something happens that we don't understand or overwhelms our ability to tolerate um, what is going on for us or what we're reacting to, um, that uh, when our psychological resources are overwhelmed um, and one becomes very confused or split off, um, that that leaves um, a, a trauma and that a person um, then loses trust in their ability to navigate um, life on an ongoing basis and raises questions about, um, about on, ongoing um, satisfactions um, in terms of actually living a life. So childhood trauma refers to events that we all can relate to, like divorce, for example. A child can be, um, if, it, if it's caught up in mum and dad struggling um, to actually move on, um, that there's legal uh, uh, a case that emerges, um, that the children are then forced to actually join with one parent or the other ra rather than um, be able to move more freely between mum and dad. Um, those things are kind of recognised as traumas that can lead a child to uh, lose connection mm. to an important uh, person in their life, important parental person um, in their life. Uh, car accidents, um, you know, are, are an example. Significant childhood illnesses, uh, you know, that lead to a loss of mobility, for example. Um, sexual abuse clearly um, is, a, is, a, is a trauma. Um, witnessing domestic violence within the home uh, to a young child um, is also very tra traumatic because the hostilities and the event itself um, uh, shatters the sense of the good mother or the good father or the good parents. So those are what we call childhood traumas. And they lead, a trauma is when the mark that is left is unattended, unexplored, can't be talked about, can't be managed, um, can't be um, opened up in order to mitigate or to explore and to re, re, uh, support the child to come into some sort of resilient place where they can manage the disturbance mm. through, the, through, uh, through play therapy, through various modalities, so that they are restored then to an ongoing sense of a future. There's no interruption to the idea of ongoingness. Mm. Yeah. And it, yeah, just, just adding to that, yeah, and really, really great explanation. Um, but also, it affects brain development. So depending where the trauma um, occurs in the, in the sort of development of the child, it um, has ongoing impacts uh, there. And it also, so, I mean, I'm sure most, all of the listeners would have heard about fight, flight and freeze, and it's that real, um, so part of it is it's that the body has a, uh, a natural response to danger where mm. it's going into fight, flight or freeze. But for kids who've um, experienced trauma, rather than the danger response becoming uh, like a, a rare occasion, it <coughs> sort of becomes the brain is in that, um, in that mode really frequently which so all of these chemicals are being released into the brain which impact the brain negatively as well so sort of like a reversal of 
for, for many of us, um, home is a safe place and sometimes we, we feel the impact of danger so we go into fight, flight mm. and freeze. But for many kids, it, safe, home is not a safe place and so they're regularly in, mm. in that mode. And when you're in that mode, you, you can't learn or you can't... Um, yeah, you, you're, it, it detaches the part of brain, the brain that is for higher order thinking and, and so on. And so where this impacts schools is that where you've got kids impacted by trauma, if they're in fight, flight or freeze, they're not learning anything because they're just in survival mode. Yeah. And, and, so, and I just have a quote here that I've just pulled up. So Bruce Perry, who's, who's one of the, um, I, I guess, the gurus of trauma-informed practice. Um, so the more healthy relationships a child has, the more likely they will be to recover from trauma and thrive. Relationships are the agents of change and the most powerful therapy is human love. Mm. 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 So... Mm. Just, yeah, yeah surrounding and, and giving a child love is really, yeah, it's a, it's a huge, it's a massive thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A child that can't be cuddled, held, or uh, allowed to express fear or anxiety about, um, you know, safety, uh, um, or even the event of something that, that has happened um, isn't supported to... Um, manage um, the fight or flight um, uh, mechanisms in the amygdala um, so that uh, um, you know um, those alarm signals are, mm. are learnt to be sort of managed mm. through um, uh, supportive therapies through um, play through consolation of that child hugging yeah. Um, yeah. you know it's a lovely idea isn't it that four hugs a day for a wounded child is um, is required just just for mm. um, surviving. Uh, eight hugs moves the child into um, um, a consolidation, and mm. twelve hugs a day um, allow the child to thrive. So increase the hugs when there is mm. a um, a threatening event in a child's life mm. that is, has conf has overwhelmed the child's innate resources uh, mm. for well-being. Mm. Um, it, there's a lot of uh, truth about regulating. Um, a heightened amygdala with the fight-flight sort of kind of response um, uh, so that the child has, a, has a, a, an ability to self-soothe. Um, this also applies to adults, of course, yeah. um, that to self-soothe themselves in the face of a perceived threat or an actual threat. Yeah. Um, and that self-talk that uh, conducive, is conducive to bringing down all the alarm systems because... When we're alarmed, we have a heightened rush of cortisol in our system, which is a, um, a, a hormonal a, um, response to threat. Um, and it's well known that elevated levels of cortisol, um, where there's no downtime, um, leads to a child or an adult that's constantly anxious, constantly unsafe, constantly reactive, isn't able to come into frontal lobe um, consideration of, of the context that they are in and looking for some solutions mm. because their cortisol levels are, are elevated. Mm. So that's long-term effect on the brain, on, not only on the brain, but on the body's um, system of homeostasis, which really means being able to sleep, being able to eat, being able to play, mm. uh, being able to enjoy life when, uh, when, it, when enjoyment is abundant, mm. and also being able to relate, uh, react appropriately to threat when it presents itself. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, it's, it, it brings me to the to the saying that you know I'm sure we've all heard. There's no such thing as a bad child. It's it's, mm. it's down to the parents, isn't it? So that then leads me to the question. Let's say the parent or parents have had quite shocking childhood trauma themselves. That then knocks on to when they're they're having a, a family or children, and then that is then likely to be passed on to yeah. their children. And they talk about that. So you're getting into intergenerational trauma. So, yeah. so it's this idea, and we talking, thinking about the First Nations people in mm. Australia. Mm. So all of the kind of various government um, decisions and the sort of institutionalised racism and the stolen generations and the um, on mm. and on and on, all of that creates trauma for the people at the time. But if that, if that remains unresolved, then that gets passed to successive generations mm. in, in a whole lot of ways. But um, so when it, when it comes to, uh, yeah, people sort of self-medicating or finding ways to uh, deal with the pain um, of unresolved trauma and, and all, the, all of the flow-on effects from that. Mm. So that's certainly, yeah, certainly mm. a, a massive part of the picture. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I don't like. I can I can start to talk about the trauma informed stuff that we're doing in schools. If that's yeah, a, I, yeah, I'd love a, to. I'd yeah. love to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. So, let's, so and that that's where I'm working at the moment. So I, I'm not um, at my school at the moment, but I'm I'm working on uh, this program of getting trauma informed practice into schools. And so it's I guess a good way to look at it is the like traditional education is around a teacher saying you do this when I tell you to do it and the, yeah. and the, the student almost, needs, yeah. needs to comply and so when when you've got trauma thrown into that mix when teachers are using that kind of discipline it's really it go sends kids straight into the fight flight or freeze because they're they're feeling that threat and so the idea of trauma-informed practice is it's moving away from their, this idea that there's something wrong with the child and we just need to fix what's wrong with the child and then we'll be all right, to replace that with this idea that if we start to understand what kids have been through and we start to empathise with them and we really focus on relationship-based um, care, then we're going to start to help the kids to settle down, to see that schools are a safe place, to see that their teachers are safe people to be with, um, and to reduce the time that they're in that kind of elevated mm. state, mm. which means that we're going to get them ready to learn, and then that's mm. going to improve um, their education. So it's really mm. about, it's saying, getting them ready to learn, getting them, feeling them, getting them to feel calm and connected, uh, and being in a learning brain is what we need to do, and then the learning will go ahead. But if we kind of go, oh, we don't have time for any of that, we just need to get them to learn, then there are going to be kids exploding all around the, the school. Well, so. well said. Yeah. I think um, uh, preparing children so that they, are, that they, they can make use of the learning that they uh, have an immediate response to, I think, is crucial uh, in terms of actually creating... Um, a, a learning environment within a school context that allows a child to uh, uh, sit in his native intelligence um, and um, begin to become interested in something mm -hmm. in the learning journey. Mm -hmm. um, and it only takes sort of one 
subject where they have some aptitude or some interest um, for when that ignition of a desire to learn becomes abundantly available. And then, uh, you know, when that does happen, time and time again, a child immediately um, uh, starts to become fully fruitful. Mm -hmm. I like that quote from Ruth, um, the theologian. They become fruitful in other areas and they're no longer, uh, you know, a child of concern. Now, I've seen in my practice time and time again adult men who had uh, school difficulties in which school was a, a, um, a, a trial, a struggle, um, and they never, you know, it was, it was, they had to endure it and couldn't get out of it. Um, soon enough in order to get into the workforce that that's left that's a childhood wound so one client I'm thinking about uh, was dyslexic and that was uh, not um, diagnosed or picked up um, and now his father was an engineer so that you know the, certainly one would imagine that he had um, that he has um, uh, average intelligence in fact my experience of this client He's now f- 52, um, is that he's, he's very intelligent and very intuitive um, and has enormous um, kinesthetic intelligence in his hands. Um, but for a lifetime, he's thought that he um, had no brains and was an embarrassment to himself and his family. Mm-hmm. So the wound, what the wound has done, has um, um, exacerbated an underlying judgment within himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a constant life life thing. So every time he's um, required to to do something, maybe about some work um, that he's got, he, he goes into a profound doubt and he and he loses all his personal authority and knowledge. Can't draw on it because the memory of the failure at school is so dominant um, that he's overwhelmed and he's yeah, back into that, uh, that that place where I can't do anything. Yeah. 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 yeah not so. Enough. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the other things that's happened, of course, is that he's um, also, also found refuge in um, the usual things for, uh, for men, cannabis um, and um, alcohol, yeah. freely available drugs of choice, um, and has, has a, had a lifetime since the age of 15 of, of using that. Um, mm. And um, very recently has come to realise that, um, that he's got to stop. He's got to stop his drug use. He's got to stop his uh, alcohol use, um, and he's contemplating. Uh, 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 I don't like the person I've become. So this guy, would mm. one could say, um, became hypermasculine. Um, so a very uh, big man, strong man, um, fierce uh, posture, um, uh, very handy with his fists uh, for many years, and all the sort of pub scenes around the place. Um, he's a goer, um, but he's also a man with an enormous heart, um, and um, most of his partners have testified to what a beautiful man he is in, in terms of partners. So he's certainly not one of these people that was, would say uh, uh, has been caught up in domestic violence. I mean, right. he's, got, he's, a, he's, a, he's a loving heart. Yeah. But there's a there's a recovery going on for this guy um, at the moment where um, that heart. When you're in a school situation and there's no understanding of underlying contradictions or vulnerability in a child, um, it's too easy to actually say this is a problem child and we've got to, got to, mm. we've got to ride them or, 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 or put penalties on them or um, label them in some way as kind of a, diffi- a difficult child in the classroom. Mm. But what this person has been struggling with all the time is um, 
um, a need uh, to, to be understood and to be supported. Um, and um, when he's been told off, what's come up is a reaction, and the reaction has been to actually push away. Mm. Um, and that's what he's done very successfully. Mm. But that's what he's kind of seeing within himself, is that he can't push people away anymore. Mm. Um, um, he wants to gather people into his life. Um, and he wants to return to the place he was as a, as a five-year-old, mm. uh, full of hope and expectation mm. about the world, yeah? Mm. Was, mm. So, so he's working For all through. the corruption. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For all the influence. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, um, and again, that's getting right to the heart of what trauma-informed practice is, because kids do what they see. So if they, if they see violence as a solution in the home, then they'll come to school and they'll act out violence because that's just what they're seeing and that's mm. what they're... That's how that's, you deal with a tough situation or when somebody's coming yeah. at you and that's how you defend. Yeah. yeah. And so trauma-informed is it's giving them, giving them choices with sure. their life and those choices only come through relationships. So if they come to school and don't respect anyone at school i'm not going to listen to any of these people then there's no capacity to say to them you're seeing a whole lot of stuff at home here's another way that you could um pursue life so it's really but through um developing those strong relationships and that trust and that empathy then schools start to be able to show kids okay you are seeing that at home we can't do anything about that and, and it's not about getting into judgments around that sort of stuff either. I mean, certainly if there's information, then docs reports have to go through and so on. But it's about sort of saying there's another world here mm. um, and this is what it looks like and these are the choices that you can make in that world mm. and this is what your life can look like. And this is what they've shown with trauma-informed practice. I, I was giving a presentation about this to a group of principals a couple of years ago um, and they, as as Bodhi was kind of listing some of the childhood traumas, mm. so um, there was a, a guy in the room who said, "Look, I've I've had a whole host of those traumas, yeah. but I'm the principal of a school. I've got a really functional life. What what's the reason for mm. that?" Mm. Um, and the research shows that one strong role model who's positive and can bring the person in that direction can be the difference between someone who will follow through with what they've seen in their family and what, what has happened through the generations to being mm. able to go, I can actually go in this different direction. So, and, and so anyone in a school can be that, well, I mean, anyone anywhere can be that person for these kids to okay. be able to, yeah. to show them yeah, the possibility of a, of a different life. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's have a, a, a quick break. Um, we'll come back with, with a song and continue on into this. I, I thought that uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about some self-soothing techniques. Um, also, too, signs to look out for in a partner or a friend that perhaps has had some childhood trauma and how to approach it um, mm. and some advice along those lines. If we could do that, that'd be... Yeah, wonderful. It's a men's mental health show uh, brought to you by uh, All Manufacturing Personnel Proprietary Limited, recruitment and labour hire company, staffing solutions to the manufacturing industry. If you'd like to give Craig a call, 0416 700 870. He'll sort out all your needs. Alternatively, allmanufacturingpersonnel.com.au. Back. Uh, back in a moment, just trying to find this ad here. 
Do you hear that, Australia? That's the sound of positive energy, and we're making more of it, which means even lower emissions. From expanding the capacity of Snowy Hydro, it's going to become the Southern Hemisphere's largest battery, you know, to installing record levels of solar. Oh, listen to that sun. We're investing billions in clean tech today because we know it will define how we live tomorrow. Australia's making positive energy. Find out more at positiveenergy.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Finding information about disability services shouldn't be complicated. That's why the Australian Government has launched the Disability Gateway. It's a website and phone line that helps connect people with disability to trusted information and services. With the Disability Gateway, you can search for information about employment, housing, day-to-day -day activities, transport and more. Visit disabilitygateway.gov.au or call 1800 643 787 to help find what you're looking for. Authorised by the Australian Government Canberra Station Sponsor. Getting the right advice, using digital tools to run your business and keeping good records can help you stay on track. Visit ato.gov.au forward slash svhabits for information, online tools and support. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Meet them where they are In their joy and sorrow Show them love, give them reasons to Believe in tomorrow Show them love, take them as you find them Hurt and hurting Let them make their own mistakes It's how they're learning Show them love This is where they need to be, they are surviving. Show them love, this is where their story starts, they're just arriving. Show them love, not the love that looks for its face in the mirror. The kind of love that holds us all together. Show them love They will try to break you as they have been broken They'll take from you the things that they had stolen Show them love and they will show
will try to break you as they have been broken they'll take from you the things that they have stolen show them love and they will show Nick Danto once again. Uh, Nick, it's uh, it's so good to have you in the studio, mate. And uh, I've just got a feeling this is uh, this is Nick's show today. He's, uh, he's on fire. We had a Bode's masterpiece last week. We've got a Nicky Danto's masterpiece today. If you want to get any of Nick's work, uh, you can uh, just uh, look under Nick N I C D A N T E. D-A-N-T-A. I, I was just sorry, <laughs> correcting that at Bandcamp, um, and you can find uh, all of his uh, all of his uh, stuff that he's uh, done. And he writes some magnificent songs and some real fitting songs, just like Matt. You know, when Matty comes on, mm. but you know, show them love. We were just talking about that just a moment ago. Uh, of course, if you want to listen to any of the other. Uh, uh, men's mental health show uh, where Nick's been on and Bodes is on most weeks. In fact, Bodes is on every week except for the very beginning where I think he missed the first six shows. Uh, you can do that through all of the uh, podcast platforms such as uh, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, etc. Uh, before we, were, we went to the break, we were sort of talking about um, what it what is childhood trauma and we went into that. And, and thank you both for, for giving us such you know, great professional insight. But I thought that I said, what are some of the things that we can do with our partner or um, with somebody that's a a friend and and we might see or they might choose to to talk to us about their childhood traumas? Right. Look, uh, um, I think it's um, fundamentally about listening. Um, I, you know, guys sometimes um, will get their uh, female partner to um, maybe open up a little bit about something that didn't work quite work out uh, at some point in their lives. And guys often sort of, you know, in their anxiety to, to, to make a difference or to help um, can tend to actually sort of find, make a solution, why well, you should have done this yeah. or, um, you know, um, well, what's his name? I'll go out and punch him and punch him out. Or, what do we call, yeah. we call that the fixing technique. Yeah, 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 get it go into fix it mode. Mm. Um, but um, I think when someone opens up about their trauma, what, what they're giving us is a clue that they're beginning to be ready to actually do some resilience work. And I think our position is to listen. I begin already through asking, the, uh, through telling the story, are doing their own recovery work. And it's, a, it's, it's a, um, unhelpful then to go into fix it mode, mm. but it's very helpful to go into listening mode. Um, and listening is nodding your head, drawing close, uh, turning the phone off, putting it down, turning it off, um, turning the TV off, um, 
uh, saying, would you like a drink? Can I get a drink? Or um, let me know if, um, if you want a hug. Um, you know, you, you work with creating consent um, by uh, saying, what, uh, how might I be helpful right now? Um, but just the act of listening. What stops listening is, our, is not only our fix-it mode, but also our discomfort with a conversation that points to hurt, and that points to anxiety, that points to fear. And it's our anxiety that causes us to then get a solution, because that may mean that um, we don't have to keep talking about this difficult event that might have gone on in, the, in this person's life who was wanting to share sure. something with us. Yeah. So we've got to do, the listener has to do some self-soothing as well um, about, because there's also the real chance that it activates a, a wound in the, in the listener. Mm. And so you've got to be, um, you know, so you've got to do some self-soothing. Um, and... Um, listening is one of the most interesting ways of being human. That means that you're allowing the words of the other, that they're working at making a story of telling of an event and, of t and, a, and in the telling we get a glimpse of what effect that event had on them. Um, and uh, our listening allows those words to grow in strength and conviction and understanding and relief. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So that's why listening Brilliant. is so powerful. Yeah. And it, it's Brilliant. implied in what Bodhi's saying, but I'll, I'll just state it out loud, like non-judgment. Yeah. And that's an yeah. absolutely yeah. important part of it. So That's it, huge, isn't it? You know, that's... Yeah. 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 And and I mean that's that's what's you know gonna things like why 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 would you do that or you know things like the, you know even just sort of stating what they've said can come across as a judgment. Mm. Yes. Sorry, Nick. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't you run away? Or, yeah. You know, yes. Why didn't, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Why didn't you go to the neighbour's place when this happened? Yeah, or, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's where the relationship is going to grow yeah. from. So it's yes. to be an unconditional relationship rather than okay like. Because the judgment is putting conditions on it and kind of going, okay, well, I, yeah, we can stay in a relationship with as long as I don't talk about X, Y, and Z, like that kind of thing. So it's it's that real need to be non judgmental and mm. um, allowing that vulnerability and honouring that vulnerability. Yeah. 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 And learning empathy, really. It's not so much sympathy, it's, it's empathy. Because a lot of the times when someone's choosing to talk to you about something, they're not looking for sympathy, I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, and you might think that being sympathetic towards them is, is perhaps what they need, but it's mm. not. It's really empathetic, and that's by yeah. listening and, and doing those things. Nick, do you do any particular activities at school to help children calm down their nervous systems, like mindfulness and... Yeah, ab absolutely. So, and, and again, that's, that's what's built into the, the trauma-informed practice mm. approach. So it's really, it's, it's a holistic approach. So it's looking at the environment, so to begin with. So how do, we, how do we set up classes? How do we set up the school so that it's conducive to keeping people calm? If there are kids who... Um, loud noises are going to set them off or mm. even the colours of the walls. The, do we have a, a space within the classroom that kids can retreat to to um, have some time to themselves? Do we have sensory um, equipment yeah. that they can... So all of, all of those kinds of things, I mean, breathing exercises, that's, that's fundamental. Mm. That can be challenging for some kids where holding their breath 
is related to the trauma, so that doesn't work for all kids. So they might be they might hear domestic violence going on in the house, and them holding their breath is their way of kind of um, coping with it. And so if we're in a classroom saying, "Okay, everyone, hold your breath," for then that that can make things worse. But certainly mindfulness. But then it's all. Um, it's all the sort of rhythmic activities as well. So, um, and at, at my school, music is something that mm, was yeah. sort of every every kid at school did every week, and yeah. it was amazing the way kids would initially gravitate towards the the rhythmic instruments, the drums, mm. and the, that real primal. It's the mm. heartbeat. It's the mm, and mm. and that's such a way of of helping kids to calm down. Music, I mean, the research continues to come out about music lights up pretty much every part of your brain. Um, mm. And so that's fundamental to it. Um, but yeah, it, it, if you're doing it really well, it, it comes down to every level. It's about how you're resolving um, conflict at school. So having restorative justice practices, helping kids to understand mm. Um, well, why did that kid do that to me? And it might have just... There might have been a misunderstanding. So, I mean, you have a thing where a kid accidentally gets hit by a ball and thinks that it was intentionally thrown, and so they go and punch that kid. Mm. And, again, that's the... They've flipped out. They're not thinking straight. They mm. just go straight to a reactive approach. And I guess traditionally a school would just go, OK, well, we're... That kid hit the other kid, so this is... Um, this is the consequence for that um, and so it's starting to explore what are some different options like yeah. if we get the kids talking it yeah. through and the kid goes look at that was an accident and the kid oh I'm, I'm really sorry I thought you did that so you're starting to get them to um, yeah be able to think through it um, Buddy talked about regulating but the step before that for many kids is co-regulation so you're, right. you're teaching um, staff to the close proximity, the quiet voice, they're just being yeah. in the space mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> just helping the kids through well, that well rather said. than, well, you've had a flip out, you go and sit in the corner, yeah. we don't want to have anything to do with you until... Yeah. So, so, yeah, just um, layer after layer after layer of how we um, put things in place to help kids to yeah. calm down, to feel connected, to restore those relationships yeah. that are getting ruptured... Um, and all of that work is what's giving them a view into yeah another way of living and the skills yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, really but, I, but I love the idea that idea of co-regulation, isn't it? I mean, mm. I think that's uh, that's spot on. That um, when a child is uh, a little bit over the over the all over the place, uh, expecting them to actually sort of recover on their own. Um, we have to sort of facilitate, you know, a, 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 a more still sort of kind of place. So I think that absolutely spot on, that, uh, that uh, co-regulation sort of kind of approach. Um, and, um, you know, I love that music too. You, you know, I learned, when I sung, I discovered that I never had a stammer, that my, I was absolutely fluent. And to me, that was a marvellous um, experience uh, and a source of wonder. Oh, my God. Um, I'm fluent. Um, when I sing, I open this up, area up. Um, yeah. um, I, I'm lifted. Um, I'm not contracted. Um, my breathing seems to naturally sort of flow. And, um, uh, and 
I, I don't fall over any particular word at all. So that would and singing among people of all ages um, is highly effective. Now, singing uh, for old people in, in rest homes uh, is one of the most amazing things to observe, um, that when a song of their generation, when they were in their 20s, comes mm. through and they start to sing, then immediately there's a transformation in the energy of yeah. the old people. And the oxytocin sort of, levels here. Yeah, 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 everything actually surges yeah. up. Um, and they're reconnected back to a time of, of spontaneity and, uh, and liveliness and yeah. fruitfulness. Yeah. Um, and it's known, you know, that, that dementia hasn't robbed um, entirely um, any residues of memory and knowledge um, of a time where things were um, accessible and part of their world. So, so music... Uh, I guess one, we have to acknowledge that one of the tensions that teachers operate under is um, the requirement to teach a curriculum mm. versus um, the yeah. reality of the children um, in the space that, in which you're being invited to teach. And I think your key, Nick, is this idea that um, um, not everybody at the same time is ready to, to learn, yeah. um, that lots of children... Um, ha uh, uh, events are occurring in, in their lives yeah. that have grabbed all their available resources that are just hanging in there and there is no capacity to learn yeah. and um, it, if we want a egalitarian society we need to make provision for children who are struggling um, in classroom situations so they can get back to that place of co-regulation yeah. um, that facilitative environment is there so that learning um, is possible yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I, I tell you in 90% of the cases of men in my practice um, they all point to um, unproductive uh, school schooling yeah. um, that turned off any idea of learning um, yeah. at all in their lives mm. and that um, part of my work and part of their work in terms of recovery is to start to uh, explore um, their native intelligence, their natural abilities, mm. um, and to create a yes to that within themselves. And that can take, I'm telling you, many months of, of repeatedly challenging an old belief yeah. that I'm a dumbass. Yeah. 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 That yeah. keeps on yeah. coming up time Absolutely. and time again. So I cannot yeah. emphasize enough yeah. just how strong a belief that can be, uh, can form the child forms a conclusion because of the feedback yeah. that's observing in the school that I'm dumb. Yeah. And as soon as that is hit um, and, and takes root, um, then uh, that becomes a, a, a what we call a, um, a belief uh, that is sedimented in the mind and it takes a considerable amount of work to unpick that, unpack it and to, uh, and to bring back a child into a belief of their fundamental yeah. agency, yeah. their yeah. ability. Yeah. I mean, just just one. Uh, I think of a student from my school. This is going back years and years and years ago. He was he arrived at the school had been really really violent at his previous school, and that mm -hmm. was um, totally disengaged with education. Um, and this is a story that connects with Matt Tonks as well, because Matt Tonks was working at the school at that stage, and right. um, this kid had. Uh, an amazing musical gift and yeah. working with Matt um, he wrote this extraordinarily beautiful song wow. um, and throughout, throughout his whole time at school he he broke property but he never he never laid his fingers on um, oh, any another, of these? 
another, another oh, okay. person. Right. So, but where we got to is we got invited to, the school got invited to perform at um, a conference. And so he got up in front of 300 strangers. Um, he sang this song that he'd written for his grandmother, who was his carer. She was sitting in the front row oh, of the, the performance. Um, so he sang a song and he just publicly thanked his grandmother for wow. just said I love you grandma mm. um, for what yeah she had done for mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was the power of yeah his he had a gift that was his strength that was his passion and by connecting with that he was able to have a really successful time at our school following mm. a whole lot of um, he, he had a terribly um, like a whole lot of trauma in, yeah. in his yeah. past and that yeah and wow. um, yeah, yeah I mean it was working with Matt to sort of bring those skills out and to yeah. get that song recorded yeah extraordinary yeah. I, I'll share a story with, with you all I, I, I was in kindergarten and uh, I'd done four weeks of kindergarten and I'd walked with my sister who was in year one and my neighbours who were in year one and in year two. And we walked two blocks to the satellites where we had to cross the road to get across the school. And I said, look, I can't walk. And my sister thought I was mucking around. So I got to the lights and when the lights went green, I collapsed on the side of the road. And my sister and Kim, who was her friend who lived next door, they both dragged me to school. And when I, and this was like, like 400 metres or wherever it was, the school was over the road anyway. And across the grass. When I got to school, they, the teachers didn't believe me. I couldn't walk, right? I was, because my arms were working, everything was working fine, but my legs weren't working, they stopped working. So I went to Motorville Hospital, they didn't believe me. They said, there's nothing wrong, we can see, because there was some slight with the reflex on the knee where they tap it, there was some slight movement. And so I ended up going from Motorville to North Shore to St Vincent's to Ranwick Children's Princess Wales Children's Hospital, and I had a thing called Gillian Barre, which is, uh, it doesn't normally happen in kids, it normally happens mainly in men. Uh, women uh, actually have been getting it more and more, but over the age of 50. And so I, I was paralysed, completely paralysed from the waist down for a good six, seven weeks or whatever it was. I was in hospital for a number of weeks in, in a ward with the, you know, cancer kids. It was so horrible, uh, you know, I'd make friends with someone next to me and that poor kid would pass away. I remember that. I made great friends, had a little General Lee, Dukes of Hazard remote control car. Oh, wow. yeah. So from there, and then going back to school, I guess I had to learn to walk again. And I fell so far behind in not only the schoolwork, but the ability, my physical ability to, um, uh, you know, but I, all I wanted to do was play soccer and baseball or t-ball it was called then with the other kids but of course they didn't want me to play because they would never give me the ball because he can't run you know so but as time went on I sort of eventually got over that by the age of 14 or 15. The school that I went to I won't name the school at the time but it, it was horrible it was you know I'd go back to school I was in a wheelchair and it was it was awful you get you know picked on quite a lot and then it was a public school nothing against the public school system but I then my parents then moved me in year three um to another school um, uh, down in Narrabeen. And it was quite a small school, but it was quite, it was more, uh, the classes were half the size 
and the teachers were almost like what you've been saying they just showed so much more love mm. there was so much more interest with music and and mm. caring like you'd play tunnel ball and and if you mm. did your things that was like a reward i guess or and you'd look forward to those things mm. more and more but you know i uh, that I guess impacted a lot, particularly in my later years. My parents separated, mm -hmm. and so it became became quite traumatic. But what I was very, very good at doing was suppressing it, just mm -hmm. pushing it down. I just wouldn't deal with it. And if anything ever came close to that, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd use my my anger or my ability to push away. Mm -hmm. um, and that was seeing therapists or uh, doctors, or mm -hmm. um, and there was something else that happened which I don't w wish to share here, but. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing though, even though at the age of 46, some of the triggers that can come up, and I can hear it in what, you got, what you're saying and, and in U-boats, that you know, it sort of brings some of these rough things to the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think that's the thing about trauma, is that we know that activation later on in life um, is inevitable and it will happen, and, it, and it's, um, one can't extinguish um, memory um, uh, only in movies, you know, where you can flash a light and um, your memory is extinguished. But uh, in real time, mm. um, when things go wrong, um, you know, we, we remember those uh, events powerfully, yeah. and they um, and they may not necessarily even be conscious, mm. um, but un un um, uh, unconsciously there is um, uh, a deep connection to sort of memory that um, that does that doesn't necessarily have words attached to it, yeah. um, but they activate the um, cortisol, the, yeah. uh, the flight, fight, um, uh, freeze and fragment f uh, ap uh, parts of the brain, the amygdala specifically, um, and turn off the blood flow to the frontal lobe so that we aren't able to set goals or, or um, you know, when, the, when that blood flow is, in, is shunted um, to the fight or flight response, mm. which is really saying that the person is overwhelmed by the idea of a threat. Yeah. So that's yeah. the understanding of it. It's not that uh, the, I mean, that they're playing up or that they've just been obtuse or, 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 any, or any of those sorts of things. Uh, there's a genuine th threat to their well-being. So traumas are there's a, there's a beginning recognition at some level. Um, through the study of epigenetics and, and looking at our evolutionary history in terms of civilization, that we are basically a traumatized community uh, uh, right throughout the world. Mm. Right throughout the world, mm. we're carrying uh, trauma that predisposes us to aggression, um, to well, withdrawal. They, they, they shape to, to, us, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they shape us, yeah, yeah, to, uh, to excessive drug and alcohol um, use. Um, you know, um, uh, to um, hyper displays of aggression or masculinity, um, or um, uh, um, you, you know, the, the million young men in Japan who live in their rooms um, and don't actually have a, a place in the world other than in the virtual world um, is also, uh, you know, a very interesting phenomena. Um, so um, withdrawal is, is a very real thing. Um, I mean, you think about the history of the world as fight and flight, and yeah. you've covered off pretty much. Uh, uh, that's, a, yeah. that's absolutely yeah, our story. That's yeah. absolutely our story. So yeah. Yeah. Um, from an evolutionary point of view, we're just beginning to kind of, you know, with schools like yours, which have come from trauma-informed practice, mm. I, think what, I think the beauty of what you're saying is trauma exists 
it has a debilitating effect on a, on a child's fruitfulness. Um, so that's what all we can attend to at this stage is to f create a facilitating environment, which really means a safe place mm. um, where um, stillness can occur and uh, the child can begin to hear another tune in life of, um, of, of something of, of enjoyment mm. rather than a constant preoccupation with I feel unsafe or I'm not sure. So yeah. Yeah, and, and what, that, what that leads me to is, is obviously, Nick, you're the principal of, of this specialty school, but the other schools don't have this as part of their curriculum. In, and we've talked about this before. It's almost mm. like we, it needs to have some sort of, um, I don't know, a, yeah, a, 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 what's it called? A, 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 you know, a, a, not a, a subject, but that particular subject as part of... The curriculum, particularly yeah. maybe between years three and four or whichever, I don't know. So that's yeah. that's what I'm involved in doing is so we've got um, we've got a course, so it's six hours of learning and we're rolling that out to any school in the state that wants, wants to, to do it. it. Wow. So we've had we've had more than two hundred and fifty um, schools that have applied to do the training and so, which is which is more than ten percent of schools in the state. Oh, so, yeah. hopefully, in five years, we'll. So, the idea is, can we train every every school in the state? Right. Um, right. But so also what we. So that's the foundation course, and then we've created two um, advanced courses that are that will be taking the first people through those this term. Yeah. But in the coming years, the idea is that if a school goes through the foundation course and then needs to do more, then we've got other courses. Yeah. Yeah. But we're also looking at, see, a bugbear of mine is professional learning is good, but it doesn't, it doesn't create a change. No. It creates the potential for a change, so it gets people to the starting line. Um, so what we're doing is we're, we're setting up communities of practice around the state. And so we've got 30 of these that are kicking off um, really in the next fortnight. And the idea is that, so when schools are doing the training, then we want them to come along to the communities of practice so they can talk about what they're doing and they can get feedback on it. Wow. They can connect with other schools that are doing similar things. And so it's really That's fantastic. About, yeah, like it's a grassroots kind of how do we... But connect? you're continually to evolve and, and yep. to grow on this. It's, it's terrific, you know, like you're not remaining stagnant. Like this, for example, what you're educating these other schools or teachers with it's not going to be the same next year the year after it's, it's constantly yeah. evolving yeah, right. which is really what's needed to be done and and i mean the important thing is that this is like people a lot of people are going to hear this stuff and go yeah that's that's i've been doing that for a long time like yeah. this stuff was happening a thousand years ago it'll be happening in a thousand, a thousand years, years time. time but but the idea is we want to make this the dominant culture like there have always been, and you, you talk about when you were at school, you had mm. those nurturing teachers and those good environments and that, mm. um, that like a lot of that is what Trauma Informed is about. But what we're trying to do with the course is to sort of say, schools are made up of a whole lot of different cultures. We mm. want to make the dominant culture the relationship-based mm. one. And then the more that we can show the people at the school, we did it this way, have a look at this, then that'll get more people involved. And yeah, then yeah. Um, that's what's going to make the difference. And like yeah. at my school, we, in in 12 months, we reduced the suspension, the number of days lost to suspension by 50% wow. over You're a joking. year. By really strongly engaging with 
trauma-informed practice. And then the year after that, uh, again, it, it went down significantly again. And so, yeah, that like it really is, we want to make a trauma-aware system. That's yeah. what we're yeah. aiming to That's, do. Isn't that unreal? So, wow. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. fantastic. And, and among Abor Aboriginal communities where, um, you know, Aboriginal people themselves are becoming the teachers um, and they're using um, art and, the and storytelling um, and the connection to culture. Yep. Um, they're all um, underpinnings of a, pr a pride and a, um, a sense of um, value and meaning in existence. Now, if you, if, you, if you have no sense of value, you're, you're caught just in trauma or dispossession, how can you possibly uh, celebrate life? How can you be fruitful? Um, so this work of uh, re-energising language uh, particular to uh, various um, Aboriginal groups uh, throughout Australia, um, you know, is actually feeding a, a sense of resilience and strength and dignity and language uh, because the words allow us to draw deeply from the heart what we are striving to become, yeah. what we are striving to become. And um, that's what w needs to be listened to. Um, so the old idea that uh, success was determined by how good you were in the nine times table, um, you know, we're sort of kind of throwing that out and say, tell you, tell us your story. You know, I mean, that's so. I think I think we are making some significant movements away from um, an old type of education to actually understanding that we have neurodiversity that we've got to understand. We have um, difference between boys' um, movement. Um, uh, learning or kinesthetic learning, um, girls can do quite well academically, uh, that, that, uh, but it's not across the board uh, by any means. But um, our, what we've understood to be uh, uh, an environment for good learning, I, I think, is expanding and growing, and 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 that's exciting. Yeah, um, and it, it, I mean, the, the umbrella for this is its inclusion. It's inclusion, how do we, yeah. yeah, how do we accept everyone? Um, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of their background, regardless of their um, neuro neurodiversity, yep, regardless yep, of, yep, yep. Um, and that's yeah, it's really great. The Department of Education are they'll they're in the process of releasing an inclusion policy, and that'll be coming through next year, and and really supporting schools to become um, yeah more mm. more inclusive, and that's that's a key. Yeah, that's really the, the overarching for all of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there is some exciting things um, sort of kind of uh, uh, emerging through. Um, what's interesting is this question about resilience, isn't it, or recovery? You know, this is what we're sort of also sitting with because sometimes people say to me, well, if I, um, you know, tried to be too empathic, uh, aren't I just um, acknowledging that you're life's been killed off and you know you're going to be an underperformer for the rest of your life if we don't you know if we pay too much attention to it don't we just give it you know more more oxygen um that um uh, that that you wounded forever it's so interesting isn't it that um we have ability to articulate language we have ability to listen to a person's story but we also buy into these ideas uh, um, that to talk about something um, will trap us into um, an, uh, not being able to move through, yeah? Okay. But yeah. what I'm actually saying is language actually gives us the tools 
to actually explore other options. Mm -hmm. um, and I see that time and time again in my practice, that when you give a person space to explore old beliefs, mm -hmm. they um, um, have a profound sense of relief. Oh my God, I can't believe that we're talking about this. This is so good. You know what yeah, I mean? This is yeah. such a relief to be able to bring this stuff out. Um, I, know now exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been working with this guy for a while, um, and now he's 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 bordering on genius um, in terms of problem solving and software and uh, big computer systems. Um, no uh, tertiary education, uh, no uni degree. He's just self-taught. He's wow. a genius. Um, but he's dyslexic, yeah. and so so of course. Um, he, um, he he didn't thrive as well as he could have done within the school system, mm -hmm. and he, he he had beliefs about himself. Um, and one of the fundamental beliefs is that um, I'm going to be found out because I don't have a tertiary education, right. I don't have a degree right. in computing, um, and, and, and um, that's weighing over him. And that's and that's weighed time. over him for yeah. uh, for a long period of time. Yeah. He lost his father when he was six. His father was bereaved. Um, uh, you know, uh, died, died of a cancer. Yeah. Um, at 18, his mother dies. Um, you know, at 20, he has a cancer event himself. Um, and so he, his conclusion is, um, I'm going to mount. I'm not, I'm not going to live for very long. Uh, yeah. People die in my family. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he lives a life of uh, travel overseas, which is, I think, is a very clever thing. But he also actually heavily invests in, um, you know, drugs of choice. Um, and, and no goals. What's the point of having a goal? Um, because um, I'm not going to be around for very long. Yeah. Well, what's amazing, of course, he, at, at, um, at 36, you know, he's got two beautiful children. He's heavily invested as a father. Unfortunately, the relationship with the mum has come to an end. Um, but what what's he, he has recovered is, is I want to make a life for myself. I want to be a dad for these kids for a lot longer than um, yeah. it, I'm not going to be around for very long. So he's setting goals. Um, he is uh, investing money wisely. Um, um, the cannabis has been absolutely finished, put, uh, put yeah. aside, yeah. Uh, alcohol, a whole lot. He is uh, uh, vibrating with ideas yeah. and his mind is so alive. I can, I can hardly keep up in a session yeah. with the sort yeah. of kind of goals yeah. that wow. he's articulating for himself. <laughs> and all I'm there to do is to actually go, yep, yeah. oh, wow. Of, no. Sort of guide open and unravel every now and yeah, then. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Or, or he takes a line on something and I can say, have you thought about this or thought about that? Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like so, he's he, he he's like a sponge. He's just sucking, <laughs> sucking it up. Sounds like but in case of <laughs> go on. He's going a hundred miles an hour. He's going a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that he's doing is restoring relationships. So, with his two sisters, um, you know, he's restoring relationship with his ex. Um, he's working hard to um, uh, maintain a connection with her in, the, in terms of co co-looking after the children, they've got a reasonable, he wants more access to um, some of the caring, but he ha, um, you know, is looking at the moment about 60-40 um, in terms of custodial, he's a lovely father, um, you know, the, 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 but this idea of restoring relationships, and I come back to this beautiful quote from Ruth, um, Padilla divorced, um, living out the good news happens in restored relationships. 
And so recovery is about restoring relationships which have been fragmented, have been broken for whatever reason. Obviously, a word of caution here, if you've been in a prior abusive relationship, one has to be um, uh, uh, aware that um, restoring relationships um, that the other person, the person who may have broken trust or betrayal, um, you know, um, is in a position to acknowledge all that sort of stuff. So those things are, you know, uh, 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 are important. But lots of men particularly break away from the family when there's been trauma, yeah. and they don't even connect with siblings. And so those restorations of rela relationships are, are crucial. Um, but it's also a restoration to their own abundance or to their own um, joy in... Um, in, in, in being able to plan a life. So I think goal setting um, is also part of resilience and recovery. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, goal setting is it's just so important, isn't it? You yeah, know, yeah, like, absolutely. But, but to set goals that are achievable. Absolutely. But not beyond our means. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And to start with, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, when, when, when I was flying in, in my life where in real estate with my success was, I, you know, everyone my colleagues were setting these massive goals like you see like they were well beyond my reach i'm not saying they'd be on theirs and so i i just found that look the last thing i need to do to be in this position because you know my wife was pregnant and i had a mortgage was to set goals that i couldn't achieve because that was only going to make my life worse so i just started setting smaller goals you know like mm -hmm. let's just make sure we get at least one listing a week and mm. and go from there so set to to set goals that are achievable are just so important. Mm. And you teach that in many ways to, to your students yeah, or your teachers, absolutely. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah and, and to the students. Mm. I mean, it's all, yeah, I mean, what I really enjoyed doing, we, we had a stage with Penrith Valley School where we had to bring together two separate campuses into one, um, one school. And the way that I approached it with the staff was to bring them together to do a vision statement yeah. for the school. And what I said is, okay, what what do we want our kids to be able to do when they walk out of the gates for the last time from the school? Uh -huh. And talk about what we wanted them to look like and then to backward map, okay, well, if, if that's what we want them to be able to do, then what programs do we need to put in place to... Um, enable that to, to happen and then so designing um, designing it all around that but it is uh, and I mean trauma is about it's about being stuck it's about being can be yeah. about being in denial and so on and mm. so it's mm. it's getting you can't you can't start setting goals until you believe that you can move forward yeah so yeah. so it's getting them to that place to start to go yeah, yeah a future is possible and then mm. it's great okay you're seeing that now let's talk about what what that can be yeah. what could that look like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, there's two other concepts that i'm interested in is um, conflict resolution um and restorative justice now um Conflict resolution, you know, at one level I could say, use your words instead of your fists, yeah? yeah. Um, but we're sort of quite ignorant, really, of, of, um, of what restorative or, or conflict resolution looks like. And I think 
that too is sort of um, a skill. It's as important as learning math is how to how to um, resolve conflict by using one's words, by owning um, intent, by um, seeking consent for something uh, from the other. Uh, That is also, uh, you know, resolution of conflict. It's not entitlement. I can have that. Um, You know, it's a consent story. So that requires words. Again, we have to sit in the stillness of something and say, how can we exchange something here? How can we... um, 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 bring something to the table that allows for the possibility of a, a resolution or or um, a, a compromise or um, a, 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 um, we're all winners rather than a winner loser mm. sort of type sort of ideas. The, the the very basic sort of kind of ideas, but we still live in a world where um, we have record spending on armaments because we're still committed to the idea of um, defending or attacking. Um, So conflict resolution is still a relatively um, um, undeveloped aspect of our functioning as human beings. The, uh, restorative justice too. I mean that you know that um, that uh, the journey of recognising that Australia wasn't terra nullius, mm. using the Latin term, a non-existent land. It had a people who were prior here. Um, now that uh, that that there, there was justice implicit in the understanding that the first peoples have been always here and they're part of our uh, our, our future um, and they're part of the shaping. The uh, the way in which we understand ourselves as as Australians, so um, so that that's a restorative justice, um, but we are sort of still um, you know it's really interesting to to read that Facebook are now thinking that what they want to do is to create what they call a multi multi universe, in which um, you know um, we. Uh, have an experience of of living via um, Facebook's uh, view of what the world should look like for all of us. Mm-hmm. How extraordinary is that? Uh, how, how extraordinary it's, it's, is that? I think it's more frightening than extraordinary, personally. But well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's well, it's frightening, the extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah cr- crazy. It is, it is, yeah. In, in, in fact, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, just to put restorative justice in through the lens of my school, so. If let's say there's a, there's a fight at lunchtime, like I can bring one kid into my office and say, "You're on detention, or you're suspended, or," and all that achieves is that kid is now still angry with the person they had yeah. a punch up with. Now they're angry with me too, and yeah. Yeah. so then and I bring then the, the other one in. Gonna, and, then the parents are going to be angry. Yeah. Yep, and I bring the other one in and have the same thing, and yeah. so there's so where the problem actually happened was between them and what's so much more successful is to and you've got to be careful that everyone is really calm and ready to talk because if you do it at the wrong time then it just explodes again Uh, but we had processes around bringing the kids in together and saying okay what was going on for you what was going on for you and so then we're building empathy and then we're starting to understand where the conflict actually happened rather than me coming from, or someone else coming from the outside and saying, well, I'm just going to rule on this. Yeah. Okay, what, what do we need to do to move forward? Well, I could do this, I could do it. Beautiful, shake hands, and 99% of times they do. Mm-hmm. And then you've actually got a real, you've got a resolution to the actual conflict rather than getting a, a sort of, well, so the teach, yeah, like um, what looks like a resolution, which is, well, they were punished for what they did, uh, and they, yeah. So, and a multi-beneficial you know, so, result. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's, and, but you're also trying to build the skills so that later in life, so if you go through this process enough, then yeah. they can internalise it. And so when they're having conflict in their relationship, they can talk it through rather than... Apply it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I love that, is that um, once you start to uh, be exposed to conflict resolution as a model, um, uh, similar to trauma-informed um, uh, uh, teaching, um, th then it becomes a kind of an accepted sort of a, a way of actually sort of dealing with stuff. So we start to transition to, uh, to more wiser ways of exploring difference. Mm. Um, that, that will sometimes spill into um, disagreement, yeah. for sure, of course. Mm. I mean, that's a, the, you know, uh, we're very insistent on, on representing our own view, you know what I mean, as, as individuals. So disagreement is always going to be part of our reality. But um, let's, let's develop um, new tools to manage that rather than the old fight or flight mm. uh, sort of phenomena that, um, you know, that we have been reflecting on today. Mm. I think this has been the most fascinating sort of talk it, it has um, i think it's the longest we've actually gone without having a break as well which is it's yeah. terrific, which just shows the amount of momentum and interest that there is and and thank you both for the passion uh, that you've shared the knowledge the wisdom it's just it really is invaluable and you know we've um we've re uh, these last two shows have we've really sort of gone to the next level haven't we both and and nick it's uh it's been a some good subject so we'll say this to the listeners out there if you've got a topic that you'd like uh bodie uh to talk about or nick um or myself just um perhaps email me you can do so at men's mental health show dot men's mental health show at gmail.com sorry I beg your pardon or just come and uh, you can get me on 0404 uh, of course Bodie Marsden's a psychotherapist if uh, you're up in the mountains or even if you're not uh, he, he does zoom consultations you can get uh, Bodie on 0424-416-969. And of course, a big thanks to Noel Pope, the greater Lawson community down there at the post office, Mounties Group, and my good friend, uh, Baby Beachy, Craig Beachy from all manufacturing personnel, proprietary limited, recruitment and labour hire company specialising in staffing solutions to the manufacturing industry, 0416700870. And also too, I just want to say a big thanks to uh, the lovely Claire, who, who really does so much work behind the scenes of putting the show together and the podcast. Uh, and of course, you can get uh, that on, um, on any of the good podcast platforms, you can hear our show. Uh, and, and, and check us out on our Facebook pages, Men's Mental Health Show or Bradley Spillane. Nick, what have you got for us, baby, to take yeah, us out? I thought um, I would just do uh, an instrumental piece because it's meditative and it'll just... Oh, wonderful. Um, just a way of kind of leaving people with their thoughts and a, a bit of gentle music. And so we're putting this in the G, to the G tune? What? I'm tuning, tuning down? it to a... Uh, drop D. Go drop. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Drop D. Okay. Um, yeah. So here we go. It's Nick Danto, everyone. Thank you.